Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button, folks. We would really, really appreciate it. Yes. And yes, yes, we would. And just tell one person about the show. It's how the thing grows. We would love it. Yep. Or, and then tell a second person after that. But really, just the one person's fine. Tell two together. <laughs> there you go. Ratings and recs, of course, coming up after our interview. Our guests today on the show will be Emily Proud, a reporter and anchor for WKRN Channel 2, News 2 here in Nashville, who's had a really interesting career as it pertains to sort of, you know, where she's been at, in times and space, right? She's, and, you, and she'll explain it, but, but fascinating topics she's had to cover through the course of her very short but accomplished career. And let's just let's just say it's timely that uh, that she's here in U, what we're going to call UT Week. Yeah, yes, UT Week on all the shows here at 440 Sports. But before we get into that conversation, again, ratings and Rex, Emily Proud going to be our guest today on the show. Really, big announcement. Really insightful, wonderful, wonderful woman. Love talking to her. But we've got a big announcement on the show, and that is we would like to welcome our title sponsor, Jaspers, to the program. The wonderful folks, of course, from Four Top Hospitality, Etch, etc., Amerigo. You've heard us talk about them on this show before in the past. We just gave away a gift card from them. And now, of course, Jasper's on West End is the next evolution in the sports bar. Excellent food, great space, 9,000 square feet to socially distance, watch the game. But now they are supporting us here at Lamestream and 440 Sports. They are our title sponsor. So now we need you to support Jasper's as well and say thank you to Jasper's by going and buying food and drinks from them because it is excellent food and drinks. There's lots of things you can enjoy there. You can enjoy the free parking, the massive amount of parking, which as Nashvillians, you're all lazy bastards and won't walk anywhere. <laughs> Take advantage of the free parking at Jasper's. Uh, have, you, have you ever not gone to a restaurant though? Because there was no free parking. I have not, but I know plenty of people who have. And, and, and I know that there is a certain tier of people here in Nashville. Let's just say, older than me who will not walk anywhere and it is like it is it is like a running joke among uh, among food writers in the city that, uh, about how stubborn people are about parking it's really kind of stupid well just not an issue you're gonna have to deal with a job not an issue just huge giant parking lot for free uh go watch the games all of the games any of the games that you care about they've got again tons of space to be safe if that's a concern socially distanced they got 9,000 square feet they got a bar they got a formal dining area which is really isn't that formal um, they've got all these tall tops they got like a library with a shuffleboard they got a grab and go market and oh by the way not only is it a great place to watch the game a la sports bar but the food is significantly better this is a Deb Paquette menu of course she is the the chef and executive chef at Etch and and a bunch of other places and just a, a wonderful company here in Nashville that has been serving us food for the better part of three decades and could not be more excited to have Jasper's on board as our title sponsor. And again, the tostadas, they got bar like instead of nachos, you're going to get nichos, which is lamb barbacoa on a giant chip instead of like ground beef out of a vat in the back of the thing. Like it's going to be <laughs> it is exceptional. The shrimp and goodies, the side items are great. Fam lots of space for the kids. Great neighborhood hang, man. It's it's a ton of fun. Jasper's very, very our proud. motto. No, known giant meat from a vat. <laughs> Jaspers, we know where all our meat comes from. <laughs> no, it is it is awesome. I've eaten there probably like four weekends in a row. It is Listen, I can't I can't emphasize enough just how important it is to have somebody like Deb writing the menu. I, I've been a food writer in this town for a long time. Deb has launched and and been the chef at or or overseen some of the best restaurants in town. She's done it for a very long time, going back uh, going back into the nineties. She's been in the middle of Nashville's sort of renaissance as a food city. And she's one of, she's on one of a very short list of people that you would want writing a menu for you if you're opening a new restaurant. It's a really smart menu. There's lots of great stuff on here. It doesn't stray too far from what you want when you go in to sit down and watch a game or hang out with friends. It's not highfalutin, but it is really smart. And, uh, and I just can't, I can't say enough how excited I am about, about the menu and kind of what they're doing there yep. at Jasper's because it's really, really good. Locally owned, of course. And again, if you like this show, you appreciate this show, you listen to this show, the best thing you can do is go support Jasper's. That, that's what we're asking you to do because they're our, they're our partner now. And 
so much so that they gave me a cocktail and based on our Predators podcast, so if you listen to the Predators show, Gold Standard with myself and Adam Vingan from The Athletic, you can now go to Jasper's and order a whiskey drink with Nelson's Greenbrier whiskey, some limoncello, a little unsweet tea, a lemon and orange. Get a nice whiskey cocktail in you. It's called the Gold Standard. I've reached peak life accomplishment, Steve. I have a cocktail named after my podcast. My question is, are you jealous? And what would your cocktail be? Well, I mean, here's the here's the problem is is I don't know, know what you would make a lamestream <laughs> as a lamestream uh, cocktail. The gold standard is a great name for a cocktail. Yep, it's true. Rarely where you are you going to feel like you should go up to a bar and say, "Barkeep, I'd love the lamestream." <laughs> Isn't that a, what like what they actually, do with like the bar mat at the end of the night? They like <laughs> right. pour it all off into like a. Was it a dirty sock? It's, it's all the ice that's melted in the beer yeah. trough. That's what it is. It's actually the the tap where you can get a local brew, but like really slowly. It's just a, <laughs> it's just, you just get a tiny it's, little bit. It's 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 got some prostate issues, folks. <laughs> it starts and stops. Uh, all right, I think we're done. Uh, I think I think, done. I think we're done with this. Go to, me, so. anyway. Go to Jasper's and uh, and uh, support local businesses. Of course, obviously, very very proud, very excited to have Jasper's on as our title sponsor. So go to Jasper's for the love of God. All right, if you like the show, Steve Emily Proud is our guest today. We'll get ratings and recs after the interview, but she she's just right place, right time. Athlete, polished professional, calls herself an old soul because she crochets um, just a, a fascinating young woman to talk to and has a lot of perspective on the business already because of people that she's had in her life. And I, I I'm jealous of that, frankly, I'll just be honest. Proud, uh, proud Belmonte. And I'm glad to have more of these here in the, uh, in the Nashville media landscape. Uh, she does a really, really good job. And every time I see her, I, I, I think, to, and I thought, and I saw some of her stuff because uh, I've worked with uh, a lot of the student uh uh, publications at Belmont. Every time I see her stuff, I think, "Wow, she is really polished for X age." And now I see her on, you know, now I see her in WKRN, you know, five years at five years out of school, and think to myself, oh, "She's been doing this for a long time." Wait, no, she hasn't. <laughs> she's just she's just a really talented uh, journalist and has done a has done a, a fantastic job uh, so far with with them. And and it's interesting. She pairs with with Corey. I think they I think they do a really nice job at Channel Two, and, and she is part of this this next generation of journalists who are going to find audiences in all sorts of different ways. You know, they've started this Facebook Live show. In addition to hits on TV, you'll see her a lot on socials. It, it's it, it's an interesting sort of start to a career. Yep. So let's listen to the interview. You can hear her talk a lot about those digital concepts that are going to be taking over, that have taken over. Of course, I think she's. Got some really interesting stories about sort of, you know, early life lessons about her career, early in her career. Also, again, authenticity, which is something we believe in on, on this program and on this platform. I, I think she's gotten that at, at earlier than almost any of us ever have. And I, I appreciate that about her. And I think that that's what makes her successful and, and all the other stuff. So anyway, I'll stop talking. This is our conversation with Emily Proud of WKRN. Emily, first of all, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time here on Lamestream. And I'll start with sort of a bizarre question for everybody in the world today. Uh, and that is, what is the appropriate distance, the most comfortable distance to be away from Knoxville, Tennessee, while covering a coaching search for you? Right here. It's perfect. I mean, right here in Nashville, you're not quite there it's where everything is crazy. Away. <laughs> but it's fun to be a part of it, though. I mean, I still want to kind of be a part of it, but not quite, you know, the what I got back in 2017 when I was working in Knoxville, where you wake up to a phone call from your news director on a Sunday morning that says, hey, you're going to be live for the next like six or so hours. We'll see how that goes. And then just no sleep for two weeks. So I'm getting plenty of sleep. I get to kind of watch it from afar. This is this is perfect. I noticed uh, I noticed on yours and Corey's Facebook show here the other day, there was an image in the background of uh, airplane tracking. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, do you do you miss not having to look at every tail number uh, or or is that obsession? Does that is that is that better to do from afar? 
Well, the internet does it for you. I mean, that's what's so wonderful is, is Vault Twitter does a lot of the work for you. Sure, you can't believe half of what you see um, and you have to kind of look at it with a little bit of a curious eye. Um, but no, I, I I was the one that produced that show. And so I put that in because I just think that's the most fun part about the coaching search is just the the like psychotic nature of looking into every little detail. And it's so, it's impressive as heck. I mean, I got to give credit where credit is due. I think that's incredibly impressive that they're able to do that and, and track planes. And there are people driving at the airport and taking pictures and everyone's zooming in to see what bald guy this potentially is that was getting off the plane. I mean, it's, there's nothing like it. That's why you still want to be close enough to you get to experience it, but not quite the mayhem of being in the middle of it. Well, I do. I do want to ask about the mayhem uh, in, in just in just a second because I too woke up that morning and I was here in Nashville, but I too woke up that morning to a text message from my boss saying, "You're going to be live on the radio for about four or five hours. Can you when? How fast can you get to the studio?" And that, of course, turned out to be Shiano Sunday. Um, can you take people through what that day was like in the in the middle of it all, just without you know? needing therapy for it? Or can you do that without without a professional around? Yes, it's not too soon. I can, I'm finally um, in the position where I can talk about it and not break out into hives or sweat or anything like that. Um, No, it was, it was crazy. And the standpoint of just how it all developed and learning about it each hour, kind of that they were going to hire Greg Schiano. We had pictures of the contract. It was signed by some people, not you know, the ones that, that needed to, to get it done, but this was essentially going to happen. And so we were getting ready to, to go and you do what you do as, as any journalist does. And you start to research and you make sure that you've got, you know, kind of the specs on him. So you can just talk about him for forever. You know, you look at his coaching, um, his, uh, you know, coaching resume and everything that he's done, you kind of get ready for that. And then all of a sudden it was, there was mayhem on, on, online on Twitter. And, um, it was created by a local media member, um, for, you know, lack of a better way of describing him. I mean, it was, it was essentially this, you know, media, not, I wouldn't say us necessarily. It was like a fan led media and they led a March on campus. And then you start to see these videos surface and we send reporters out there on, on a Sunday to go to campus where they're marching about a football coach. And so you're kind of in the middle of it and you're not really thinking, everything that it, you know, that goes into it, like, oh, wow, people are mad. This is, you know, just something that people do sometimes is they want to all get together and talk about how they're upset about something. But then the fact that it actually changed the opinion and the fact that you're hearing rumors of Tennessee lawmakers calling in, you're seeing tweets from very high ranking officials in the state of Tennessee saying that they don't want to hire Shiano. I mean, looking back on it now, it's just, it's, it's cool (laughs) in the standpoint of, where have you ever seen something like that happen? And it's so unique and that Tennessee fans care so much. And so I got to give credit where credit is due and that they clearly care. And I would rather that than, you know, apathy and them not care. I'd rather it be less crazy for sure, but I'd rather it be something. Um, But just to see it all develop throughout the day and then to end up at the end of it without a head coach, it's just crazy. And then the chaos that ensued since then. And then a week later, we ended up with, no head coach, no athletic director. And so you just felt like you were continually starting from the beginning. Um, but there's just, there is nothing like Tennessee fans. And that is a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> to, the, to the uninitiated who may not have um, swum in those dark waters, describe Vol Twitter. Oh, God. oh gosh, how do you describe it? It's, it's everything that you hate about the world and everything that you love about the world. I mean, you want people to care. You want people to be passionate. And so you've got that. But then you really don't want old men being rude and mean to young recruits about where they decide to spend their collegiate years. And you've got that. And so there's the unfortunate part about it. And that's why you hear, you know, what you got from Danny White and from Chancellor Dondi Plowman, where they were both very uh, impassioned about making sure that we're nice and we try to create an aura of positivity and excitement. And I, I liked the analogy that White used where, you know, you're a young Tennessee football player and you're walking to weights in the morning and you really don't want to go and you look at Twitter and everyone's saying, I hate you, you stink, the balls stink. It doesn't really, you know, inspire great, <laughs> great work. And so I think that you've got to find a delicate balance of positivity. Um, but it is, it is a scary place as well. And that um, you got to be very careful about what you say. <laughs> if you're someone like a Dan Wolken, they don't forget. They keep receipts. <laughs> they keep photo <laughs> evidence of everything. And so 
if you've got them on your side, it's it's a fun place to be because you feel like you're interacting with a lot of people that agree with you. But if you disagree with them, whew, I'll let you know. How, how do you sort of view your your role? Let you know in the middle of all of that, trying to parse out all the information because we're we're literally this week in the middle of the same process. How do you view your role? How do you parse through information? How do you know when you feel like you've got something you can put out there? And then how does it lead to how you interact with all these people that want to know what you think and want to know what you know, but it's Danny White's closed off little room right now, you know? Yeah, it's really cool. I thought when he said that in his press conference, I was like, okay, good luck. Good luck keeping this hush and and good luck doing it the way that you've done it at your previous stops. But for the most part, it's been pretty quiet. And so I would say that my role right now is just kind of observing and and taking notes. Um, I'm literally working on a story right now. The headline is Tennessee Coach Search, every name I've seen on the internet. So I'm just kind of going through and saying, I saw, you know, this reputable source talk about it. I've seen betting odds for this guy. So I'm going to just add this to the list just so people know. Um, when it does come time to name a head coach, they said, oh yeah, I saw that on somebody's list. This would be, you know, a great option. You can talk about it. And so I, I look at myself more of, I'm not going to be a newsbreaker. I completely understand my role in all of this. I know that I, I don't have, you know, a lot of people behind the scenes telling me things, but I know people who know people. So I know that I'm kind of ready to go if something like this happens. And so I'm not at the point where I'm breaking news or I'm saying that my sources say this. But I'm talking to some people who do have sources that are, you know, telling me, like, just kind of prepare for something like this could happen or just, you know, look out for this name or that sort of thing. And so my role in giving that to the viewer is to take, be taking all of these notes because I know them. They have day jobs. They're um, just occasionally seeing something on BallQuest on a message board or they're seeing something um, on Twitter and not really knowing that much about it. And so my job is to kind of see those little things you know, little bits and pieces and to take the notes for them. So then when it's time to say, okay, who, who are they looking at in this coaching search? They can kind of just go straight here and say, oh, well, Emily says that, you know, this is a name that you should potentially, you know, be looking out for and, and more to know about him. Um, so just kind of compiling it and, and being that note taker for them. So they're ready to go when a hire is called. Cause that's what it was like in 2017, except that, we knew the names were, were concrete. You know, we knew that he was talking to, you know, Dave Doran. Um, we knew that he was going and talking to Mike Gundy. We knew all of that. And so in that realm, it was to report the news and saying that this is who he visited and here are some things to know about him. Now it's just, here's a name that you might've seen floating around on the internet. Here are some things to know about him if they end up hiring him or if he does get further along in the process. So that's really interesting. The story that you're working on right now fascinates me because it's a black box with with with, you know in Knoxville right now we don't we don't know anything so when you're when you're looking at that list are you trying to think okay here's a credible list that these are you know one of these five that I throw out there could be could be a possibility or like that fifth name is that for entertainment value only Jeff Fisher that might Jeff Fisher, Lane Kiffin. What what is it going to take to get Lane Kiffin out of Oxford? Like like that's that sort of thing. No, and, I've I've got sixteen names by the way. Uh, this awesome. is not a top five. This is just I, this is, I literally said it's every name I've seen on the internet. So it's just you know are random. They giving, are like they giving that. you like ten minutes on the uh, on the broadcast today? Oh no no no! This is this is a web story. This okay. is just straight up writing. And, and, and frankly, <laughs> you might. No. And frankly, Emily, you might be underselling the internet. There might be like thirty-seven people on the list. Eventually. Oh yeah yeah no. I mean I'm just I'm just things that I've seen. I'm like oh, you know what I'm going to throw this. I don't know if it's actually possible. But yeah, some at some point today I do have to try to compile this into um ninety second hit. So wish me luck. <laughs> So before I didn't, you know, we didn't want to focus entirely on Knoxville here, but it it is so timely and and juicy in general. But you also covered a few other things that took place in Knoxville as well. And kind of describe the the emotional difference between Shiano Sunday coverage in the moment and then having to deal with something like the passing of Pat Summit. Yeah, that was really personal for me. I mean, I grew up in Knoxville. Um, I played college sports. I work in the sporting realm. And so she was such a, such a hero to me. I actually went to high school with her son and she went and spoke to my school multiple times about, you know, leadership qualities and, um, you know, got to have some personal conversations with her. And so 
from my standpoint, it was, you know, I was two, two or three weeks into the job. So I was very green. <laughs> and so I was just, you know, still very excited about, you know, tell me what you want me to do. Let me go do this. And so in the moment, I was very focused on making sure that I cut all my sound bites. I got everything in on time. I was ready for my live hits. I was really focused on that and not necessarily as much about like what it meant to me. And then, you know, my news director, I was having a conversation with him late that evening after hours and hours and hours of coverage. And he said, you're a female athlete. You're a female working in, in the world of sports. Doesn't this mean something to you? And I was like, yes. And I, would, I felt like I had to hold that back the entire time. And I felt like I had to keep it in because I would just had to be very strict and say, okay, well, this is, you know, what um, Kara Lawson had to say about her former coach. This is what so-and-so, you know, I was very trying to be a reporter. Um, and he said, at 10 o'clock, when, when we go to you, I want you to just talk about what Pat Summit means to you um, as a female athlete and as a female sports reporter and, and the doors that she's opened. And that was the piece that I ended up using for my reel to, to get the job here. And so it was something that really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, yes, it's important to you know get the facts straight and get everything ready to go and, and make sure you're on your P's and Q's, but also it's okay to take a step back. And I, I think it's also very relevant on a day like today when we're remembering Kobe Bryant's death and so much of the coverage that we saw on ESPN was, you know, guys in tears. I remember Jay Wright was, was in tears talking about it. Stephen A. Smith was very somber um, talking about when it first happened. And I think it's okay to put a little bit of yourself and your passion in it because chances are somebody watching back at home is like, yes, that's exactly how I felt today. Um, so that was really a big aha moment for me and trying to manage the chaos of the fact that there were like 20 to 30 news outlets all lined up. I mean, from ABC to CNN, it was, it was clearly a big event and, and was a big kind of throw, throw you into the fire sort of deal as a young reporter. But it was also an important moment for me to know that it's sometimes okay to kind of read the room and, and let people know that you're feeling some type of way about this and not just a stoic, this is what happened today. And I'm gonna get this wrong. At 27, 27 or you 28? I'm 26, actually. 26. <laughs> I graduated huh. college when I was 21. I've, I've well, that young, doesn't so. make me feel old at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so at 20, at 26, you are you are half the age of a lot of typical TV TV news viewers. What's your role here? Are, are you trying to are you trying to make that audience younger? Are you trying to serve that audience that as it is now? What what are your where does the audience kind of kind of fit in with you as a young newscaster? Steve, I try not to tell people that I'm young. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I've just been kind of avoiding it for most of my, my career, honestly. If, I feel like I, if I tell people, then I'm automatically going to lose. You, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm learning to try to view it I mean, in that than, way. <laughs> other than like the other than the salary part of it, I mean, they, you know, they're not, they're not paying, you know, I'm nice, like I'm they're, cheap, they're paying yeah. somebody on the, you know, on, on ESPN. But, exactly. Exactly. But no, I, I'm trying, I honestly, no, I'll be a hundred percent real with you. Like I don't have it all figured out. You know, I'm still trying to, to figure out where my role is in all of this. And I'm, I'm trying to um, acknowledge the fact that I am young without fully leaning into it. And the fact that, you know, I have to be all gimmicky and fun and be like, well, I'm young and I'm fresh and I'm fun. Like, honestly, that's not me. And if you look at my Twitter bio, I literally say that I'm an old woman <laughs> stuck in a young person's body. I crochet, which probably shouldn't be admitting that on the internet. Um, <laughs> I, I just very, I'm very organized. I'm very type A when it comes to these things. So I don't feel like I have to be kind of a young spunky look at this in, in kind of a pop culture sort of way. And so, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out my role on all of it. Um, I do, you know, have my insecurities when it comes to, okay, I'm really young, but everyone else is a decade or decades older than me. So what do I have to say that's important? And so I think what I've tried to learn is just being it's so cliche, but just kind of being who I am and that that's what makes everybody, you know, unique and what makes you stand out is just there's nobody else like you. And it doesn't have to be because I'm young. It doesn't have to be, you know, because I'm a woman. It doesn't have, it just kind of whatever feels right. And I hope that that's why people trust me. And I hope that that's why people want to listen or want to read or want to watch my stuff is because they like me as, you know, as a journalist and the way that I go about what I do, because I think I was having, I was having a conversation with, um, oh gosh, who was this? I was on, um, 
what was it? Some sort of, I was on a Zoom call or something where we were, we were kind of like a panelist of talking about different broadcasters. And there was, you know, like a Bob Kessling was on there and Paul Kaharski and, and um, some of the young kids were asking me what my advice for trying to stand out and trying to, you know, kind of get your foot in the door. And I said that it's something that's kind of changed that I've noticed is that branding is so big these days and making sure that you're a brand. And I immediately got shut down by both Bob Kessling and Paul Kaharski. And although it was kind of embarrassing, um, I, I thought about it. And their argument was that like, it's all about showing that the, the viewer or the listener can trust you and that, you know, I've been doing this for decades and decades and decades. And so you should just automatically trust me because I'm clean and I'm smart and I've been doing this. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, that's not fair for me. <laughs> I can't just snap my fingers and get all of this experience. And so, yes, there is to a certain extent, you want to kind of brand yourself and, and make people want to, to trust you. And the old adage that we use in TV is invite us into your living rooms. Um, so there's a little bit of that where you have to kind of have a delicate balance of not being too crazy about it. I know that they think of it as like an influencer on Instagram and that sort of thing. And they, you know, shake their fist at it. Um, but to, for younger people, you do kind of have to find, you know, your your niche in in this whole grand scheme of things. I can't automatically be super experienced tomorrow. So, well, you're you're not the first person that Kaharski has yelled at to get off his yard. <laughs> number one, and number two, I don't mind he, it though. I like well, well, Kaharski. Kaharski has know, a hang, brand. That's that's a he yeah. doesn't he doesn't realize that shaking his fist and yelling at you to get off his, his lawn brand. is his brand. So yeah. it, you're you're 100 right to do it. And I think what's interesting is you had an experience very young in your early in your career that allowed you to sort of again going through the Pat Summit thing like you you had a moment where you were had to be introspective. You had to think about yourself. You had to think about the difference between reporting and opinion and how I feel about something versus how I talk about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of between you two guys in terms of age. We're just going to date all of ourselves here on the show. Let's do it. Um, and it took Thanks, me a man. while. I never had that moment early in my career where I had anybody come to me as a mentor and say, no, like you're, it's okay for you to do this this way and be a little different that way. Or, but as I've gotten through my career, authenticity, like you said, it's a cliche, but it is so, it's so genuine. If you just are yourself, if you're the type that wants to yell and scream, then be the type that likes to yell and scream. If you want to be the nerdy analytical guy, then be that person. Like you can, you can do it. There's space for all of it to happen. And I think getting that advice early in your career, I think is a tremendous asset. Oh, it's huge. And so if anyone's listening or watching, <laughs> listen to that. Um, but sometimes, yeah, you do have to kind of go through those moments too. And I'll say that, you know, a lot of the low moments and stuff that I've faced too has really shaped who I am and um, also trying to learn to let go of, of some certain things. But yeah, it's, it's important to know that we're kind of living in a new age where I was so hyper-focused. I mean, you get right out of college and you're thinking about, you know, AP style and making sure that you use someone's full name on first reference and their last name on second reference. And then it's okay to sometimes let go. And if you're doing highlights of a Texas A&M game to just be like Jimbo and because people know him as Jimbo. If I refer to him as Fisher, people are going, what? what are you talking about? So it's okay to just show kind of your, you know, your personality and, and loosen up a little bit. And you, you hit the nail on the head. There is space for everyone in, in this world right now. And that's what I think is so cool. What, what were those moments and lessons that you are referring to? When I was in college, um, at some point, I wrote an op-ed about um, how I thought that there was the Belmont and Lipscomb Battle of the Boulevard. I went to Belmont and how fans were just saying some really, really atrocious things. And it was bad. And I got some of it on tape. And I wrote an op-ed about how, like, let's, you know, show some class sort of deal. Um, because it was one of those situations where your professor is like, do something that makes you feel really uncomfortable. And me putting opinion in anything was very uncomfortable. And I just got an absolute firestorm from Lipscomb fans saying that, well, that's just this Belmont fans being all, you know, mean to us and everything. And like, I got attacked on Twitter. That was my first real like attack. <laughs> Somebody said I had a face only a mother could love, um, which at the time like crushed me. And I was just, I was so afraid. I was like, well, oh my gosh, all these people hate me so much. Um, then I told my mom and she laughed and she said, I do love your face. And so it was a really fun little moment there. Um, but I was, I was actually driving home from Knoxville uh, or from Nashville to Knoxville. And I pulled over in Cookville and just bald. And I am not a very emotional person. Um, I think my husband has made me see 
maybe see me cry like once or twice, like on our wedding day. Um, that's about it. And so I was just, I did not know how to handle it. And so I got a good kick in the pants from my professor. And I actually had the Lipscomb president call me and apologize on behalf of the students that were attacking me online and said that I was at that game. I heard the same things that you did. Um, it's, you know, going to get better, you know, <laughs> just one of those cliches. And so now looking back on it, I think it's absolutely hilarious that I cared so much about somebody saying that I have a face only a mother could love. And I think it's really cool that the Lipscomb president called me and then clearly, you know, I'm, I made some noise there. And so it was uh, definitely a good, good learning experience. Who was your, who was your professor? Uh, Doran Robinson was my professor. If you know her, she is the uh, epitome of a kick in the pants. She is, she is very much a <laughs> German <kid>. woman. <laughs> very scary. Lamestream is brought to you by Jaspers from the amazing people, of course, at Four Top Hospitality, who have brought you Amerigo, Etch, etc., Char, and Saltine, a trusted name in Nashville cuisine for over three decades, comes the next evolution of the sports bar. You know, Steve, a place to watch sports, but with way better food and free parking. Have we mentioned the parking? Tons of space to socially distance as well. And they have shuffleboard, Steve. I love shuffleboard. I think it is the greatest bar game of all time. I don't disagree. You know, I've been working on some uh, slogans here, maybe based on some some classic slogans in the advertising world. I'm going to bounce these off of you and just see how, the, how you think they're going to play for Jaspers. Lay them on me. All right. First one, Jaspers, the breakfast of champions. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good if they serve breakfast. They do not serve breakfast. All right, maybe we'll Okay, maybe. Okay, tr let's try it again. Jaspers, just do it. Jaspers, think different. <laughs> I see what you're doing here, Steve. Jaspers, where's the beef? We don't have beef. It's lamb barbacoa. <laughs> lamb barbacoa. Jaspers, melts in your mouth, not in your hands. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Jaspers, costs a little more, but you're worth it. See, that one's just factually incorrect. They have yeah. quite an approachable menu. You know, it's, yeah. it's not expensive at all. Jaspers. You, you pay an ad firm for these? What are you doing, Steve? Jaspers, have it your way. <laughs> Jaspers, finger licking good. Now, that one I like. I like that one. Has anyone ever used that one before? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, go, back and we'll go back and look. Jaspers, you deserve a break today. Oh, I actually don't know that one. You don't know that one? No. I can sing the jingle, but I'm also old. No, I think you have to sing the jingle now. <laughs> I do not. No, no one needs to hear me singing. Jaspers, uh, where you don't have to listen to Steve sing. <laughs> Jaspers, can you hear me now? That, uh, okay. All right. That guy, uh, that guy switched like uh, he, he got bought out and, and changed teams. He's like the Tom Rinaldi of advertising. I know, I know. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, he went he went from what Verizon to T-Mobile. I guess now he's at T-Mobile. Maybe I don't know. Who cares? Jaspers. <laughs> Jaspers, can you hear me now? That's it. No, it's actually Jaspers. Can you hear me through the mask? <laughs> I think we've done enough damage to the Jaspers brand. Uh, well, you know what? Listen, it is a killer menu. It's a killer spot to watch the game. It's a killer spot to go after work. It's a killer spot to take the family. They've got tons of space to socially distance and do it the smart way. They're not trying, you know, they're, they're trying to be smart about it, of course. But they've got a grab and go market, which is probably not the best idea if you want the gold standard. I don't, I don't advise. The, I, I don't think they take it to go, but uh, I don't think you should do that. But they got a ton of stuff in there. So if you just want to grab and go, you got gift cards. Or I guess um, if you do grab and go, just, just wait till you get home. That's, yeah, there you go. Wait till you get home. So, uh, Jaspers. On West End, free parking, the next evolution of the sports bar. Check them out. Totally worth your time. Go to Jasper's, people. Okay. Let me pivot just a little bit. Um, Karen has and and your your ownership group has been doing this thing uh, called News Nation that launched last year. Tell people what is News Nation and. How do you guys fit into that? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit. <laughs> I just learned what WGN is, <laughs> but it's on WGN. Um, w and it's WGN, originally named for the Chicago Tribune, oh, world's okay. greatest newspaper. Yeah, it's based out of Chicago. That makes yeah. sense. My boss, Corey Curtis, was giving me a history lesson on yeah. how he used to watch cartoons on Corey? WGN growing up. Yes, Corey. No, no way. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> but no, so it's 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 a really cool idea. And I see, um, actually, I think Sinclair is launching something similar as well, or if they did maybe this week. Um, but it's 
it's the idea that people want news in a non 24 hour news cycle kind of way where it's the constant opinion and it's going to analyst and you know you're fighting and all all that sort of thing it's just more like we need national news that just gives you the national news and then you get to decide your own opinion on it. And so the way that we factor into it is as a next star nation, which is what we call ourselves, um, we have tons of stations all across the United States. And so if something big happens here in Nashville, they'll take our story from it and air it on the national news. So that way it's kind of like they have eyes everywhere and you're not just sitting in a big building in Chicago or in New York saying, well, I read about this and I think this might be the story. This is straight up people in their, in the, region that they're talking about where the the event happened and so um my friend who works in knoxville she the first time that she made national news on and there was about there was a tiger on the loose in knoxville and so that was cool to get like you know a, a local reporter's perspective about it to be like this is crazy there's a tiger on the loose in knoxville tennessee what the heck is going on here um and then i made my news news nation debut talking about the titans outbreak because it was the first major outbreak in the nfl and so just to get that local perspective on things and and no sort of opinion or um, commentary about certain things is kind of how how news nation works and are you tailoring those or are they just they just taking your WKRN packages and and putting them on putting them on the, the mothership? So I have to shoot a, a separate one um, just with like a different tag. I have to say News Nation Nashville, which is whew, very hard to say. Um, and then we have a different mic flag that we've got to put on our mic just to kind of brand it. Um, but it's essentially the same thing that you're going to see in um, Nashville is the same thing you're going to see on News Nation. Uh, along those lines and also a bunch of things we've talked about already, which is sort of the difference between news and straight up kind of hardcore reporting versus opinion. Um, do, do you think like, how is it that you think we as a media writ large can make it easier for consumers to differentiate between the two? I, I think there's so much pressure and burden put upon the consumer to have to decipher between opinion and fact that that's part of our problem. I, I don't know if it's something you think about. I think about it a lot. Do you have any ideas or concepts that could help unburden the viewer to some degree of that particular process? Yeah, I mean, when you first started asking the question, my mind immediately went to, well, the viewers got to just observe it all and then figure it out for themselves. Um, but then, of course, that changed when you said to take some of the burden off of them. Uh, but I think a good rule of thumb is usually just as, as localized as it can get. It's probably where you're losing a lot of the opinion. Um, I know that that's definitely the case when it comes to sports news nationally is that you see these first take shows where, you know, they kind of look at just broad topics and debate them. We don't really do that as much here. And especially, you know, in, in localized news too, I feel like you're getting the most um, important information when it comes to, you know, kind of what's going on in your area. Um, I would say from a news perspective, for sure, if you tune on, tune in and, and watch our news from four o'clock through 6.30, you're going to get like no opinion <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and people that, that say, well, you know, you're being biased and we get the fake news, we get all of that sort, sort of stuff here locally that the hate doesn't slow down just because you're local. Um, but as somebody that works in the building, knows the people that, works, that work there, knows how a story comes to be, there is no time for you to ever put any sort of opinion in there. There is no time for you to make the case for something. You are trying to turn a package so quickly. You're trying to get both sides. I'll say sometimes too, um, you know, we'll, we'll fall short on if we're doing, you know, a political story and we want to get both sides. We want to get like a Democrat. We want to get a Republican and the Republican doesn't re return the phone call or the Democrat doesn't return the phone call. And so you mainly just end up with hearing directly from one side and then the other side saying they didn't return our phone call. So that's when you do get into those situations. But trust me, there is no time to, to possibly create any sort of, you know, controversy or opinion on something because you're just, you're turning it so quickly and you're just trying to make air and you're trying to get something on television. So that would be kind of my rule of thumb for consumers is if you start at the local level. Um, also, I will say that television in general, when it comes to local news, is a lot quicker than what you get online. So I am able to do, like I said, this super long list uh, online, but I'm just hitting the headlines um, on air. So if you're looking for something that's just kind of quick, not a ton of opinion about it, just here are the facts, here's what you need to know. 
highly re recommend turning on local news. Um, but we also have a digital show that we do for 30 minutes um, every day at 530 on WKRN.com. And that's where we're able to talk more because we have 30 minutes, whereas in a typical sportscast, we have two minutes. So chances are you don't have a whole lot of time to, to put in um, opinion when you're working with two minutes versus half an hour. What do you think you're going to be doing 10 years from now? Uh, are you going to be doing more of that digital show or you, or do you think you're going to be doing more focused, you're going to be more focused on the broadcast piece of it? Definitely digital show. I mean, we've, we've been rolling out so many different uh, digital exclusives that we've been doing lately where, um, you know, we have a project, actually Project 225, where we're highlighting the state of Tennessee is 225th birthday this year. Um, and so we're doing all of these just digital only packages that you can go online and see these longer form pieces about, you know, important staples of Tennessee's 225 year history. And so there's, you know, more time <laughs> on the internet. And so I would say that the way that we structure a story too is, you know, we'll go and I'll do an interview with someone in one-on-one -on -one and I'll shoot it as a one-on-one -on -one interview, put that entire thing online. So someone can sit down and watch this 15 minute interview, but then on air, put it, make it a minute and 30 package and make it a minute 30 story. And so I, I would say that the future for sure is a lot more of what we're doing digitally, just because there is so much time and what's on air will be more of like a tease to go check out what's online. <laughs> I'd like to know some of your social media rules, your internal personal rules and policies. Um, I, like personally, I don't, I don't mute anything. I don't block anybody. I think I've blocked one person for some really awful stuff they said to me, but you've already told a story about how you you've been treated <laughs> online. So kind of a two part question. Number one, famous two part question. Number one is just sort of what are your general guidelines and policies? Because toggling between the worst part of the internet and the best part of the internet within like three seconds of a scroll is pretty difficult to do. So that's the first part. And the second part is what question do you want people to ask about a, a, a female sports reporter and what she has to deal with? Like, what is the right question that we should be asking about that interaction? I think both of those questions can be answered with direct messages. Um, my general rule of thumb is to stay the hell away from those. Um, I think that when it comes to the block button, that's, you know, it's okay to use if you need to every once in a while. Um, but, you know, I interact, I feel like more with people that I know more than people that I don't know. Um, and I'm, generally right now trying to, you know, on my off days and stuff, get away from the internet. Sometimes I think that's an important thing too. Also, it's important to get away from it from the standpoint of it's not the real world. And there are a lot of other things happening in the real world that you should, you know, jump into and, and see what's going on. But general rules of thumb, um, you know, working from a news station too. I know that this has obviously been an issue that we've gotten into a lot over the past year is that you kind of have to stay away from saying anything too controversial when it comes to politics and going on either side, because I do have the purview of working for a news station. And so we do need to um, be mindful of that. We have social media policies, that sort of thing that says that we can't do that. And so I think the world is a lot better if I'm employed. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on some certain things. Um, that includes liking things and retweeting things. And so, you know, you always have to say that what your likes and retweets are not endorsements or something. But when you work for a news station that has a social media policy, it is. So you got to be aware of, of those sorts of things. But in terms of questions that the people could ask, do you mean like uh, what is something that they need to know or something that they need to be aware of before they type out a tweet? Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just you've been treated a certain way and there needs to be solutions to that. I don't know if we're ever going to have solutions to people being mean to each other for <laughs> any number of reasons. I don't know if that's ever going to go away. I, I guess. I just don't want to assume anything. So I want to know from your perspective, what is, what are the questions we should be asking each other to help advance that issue that, that the way people are treated? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. What is, what does this help? What am I, what am I trying to gain by sending this message or by sending this tweet? I think that's an important thing for male or female. Um, and then I also think just a good rule of thumb too, when you're going to send something to a female is what do I know about her personal background? I try to make it somewhat abundantly clear that I am 
you know, married. So to try to keep that nice little distance from people, um, Again, but stay out of her DMS, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, the general rule of thumb is understanding that sort of thing, but also too, just thinking of it from a perspective of like, if I had a daughter or if I have a mother, like, you know, is this how I would want someone to be reaching out to them? Is this how I would want someone treating them? And I would say for the most part, I, I don't have a, a ton of complaints, you know, from, where I've seen some things that other women have gotten. And I feel, you know, incredibly lucky that um, I haven't gotten anything just atro atrocious other than, you know, I have a face only a mother could love. Um, but <laughs> other than that, I mean, it's just, it's, it is what it is when it comes to the internet and you, you'd know it when you sign up for the job. I also say that it's not um, exclusive to the internet either. I mean, you, you face misogyny everywhere. I mean, you face, um, mean people everywhere too. So I'm not naive to think that uh, I am alone in all of this, but just in general, take a pause, say, you know, should I say this? Will the world stop turning if I don't? <laughs> Maybe those are some, some good things to think about before sending the tweet. But it makes them feel so good about themselves, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> That's the it problem. Does. But that's how society should be, is you should think about how your actions affect other people, ah. <laughs> not just, you know, what you think about this, but, you know, topic for another day. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the fact that you, you've come up in this era of cord cutting, uh, of, of people kind of migrating away from, from local TV news. What was it that made you want to be part of that? And what was it that, did you watch somebody on, uh, on air and say, well, I want to do that? That, that seems... That seems like that person has a great job that is that is really fun, and and that's what I want to be. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, watching the local news in Knoxville, uh, I've had so many people that I looked up to, and and it just you you put it perfectly. It looked like so much fun, and I think it is too. And I love local news from the standpoint of it's just it's a quirky mess sometimes. You know, we have a story about a cat bandit, or we have our cameras will run into each other in the studio, and we have to figure it out only having one camera that works. I love kind of the the chaos of it and the excitement of every day is different. And um, as I've mentioned previously, I am very type A, and so I like the standpoint of I can control every aspect of this story. I can tell it in the way that I want to tell it. I can shoot it. I can edit it. I can produce it. I can write it. Um, you know, to some people that may be a lot of stuff and they don't want to deal with all of that. And they would rather just, you know, kind of be on television or just be behind the scenes or that sort of thing. But I like all of it. And television was not necessarily what I wanted to get into. I wanted to be a sports feature writer. And so, you know, life happens and, and you end up here. Um, but I do enjoy the fact that I can be a part of each aspect of it. And I just, I love the grind too of local news. I mean, there's, there's nothing like it from just kind of waking up, not necessarily maybe knowing what you're doing that day to putting something together and it airing on television later that day. There's the instant gratification of doing the work and then seeing it immediately um, is great. And I love the challenge of the fact that yes, we are in the cord cutting age. And I will say that Bunny years still work. You can get a nice little $10 satellite on Amazon and watch news too, whenever you want. <laughs> um, I think I have one that like just sticks to my, sticks to my window, but no, I think that there are different ways of consuming the content too with videos online. And I think that my young age too means that I'm not um, allergic to it and I'll, I'll lean into it. And you've seen some people that don't like to do it and don't want to lean in and don't think that this is, you know, just trying to reject it and say, no, people watch TV. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but the way that we operate our newsroom nowadays is very contingent on the clicks that, you know, we get on our website and the traffic that we get and advertising too. going to our website is, um, you know, very profitable comparatively to, to what we get on TV. And so I think that it's, it's changing. And because I'm young, I'm not afraid of it <laughs> and excited by it. And, and by Comscore, I think you guys are the biggest, you have the biggest footprint in the market, correct? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know, do you know that? <laughs> uh, I really don't look at the ratings and stuff that, like that. I'm going to be completely honest. We get emails, but <laughs> last year, uh, that the KRN site in, in general just has okay. this. Yes. I know our website in terms of, of growth has been huge um, over the last year. We do get a lot of emails about 
growth numbers. So I, I, I'll read some of those. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, as they should, as, as any company should. Uh, what's interesting is I think it's hilarious that crocheting automatically makes you old, mm-hmm. but that also being organized in type A makes you old, which that's just to me, like I... I don't know. Millennials get a bad rep for being floozy and just <laughs> right, kind of right. going all over the place and not thinking about their futures. And I mean, I got a 401k. I got all the good stuff. In fairness, millennials get a bad rep for a lot of other shit, too. So that's yeah. true. That's true. Well, as as a as, as someone who was born a millennial, and as we discussed last week on the show, I was born a millennial, but I've been transitioning for a few years now. I don't necessarily identify as a millennial anymore, but I'm also a parent with two small kids. I'm in a very different phase of life than I was 10 years ago. What, what I wanted to ask you, what I wanted to ask you, though, was along the lines of where you're going to be in 10 years and your transition from Knoxville to Nashville. You talked about putting together your reel. And I find it interesting. I've worked with a lot of different people that are just, I used to work with Jason Fitz, who is now hosting almost all these shows on live Twitter for ESPN. What does that process look like when you are going, when you're putting together, moving from market to market? If there, first of all, is there anything that anybody doesn't know about that process that maybe you've you think people should know putting together a reel, deciding to go from market A to B or whatever it may look like. You went from Knoxville to Nashville, but what does that process look like in eight or 10 or 12 years when kids are coming out of college, trying to put together their stuff to try to get a job? How different does that look in 10 or 12 years? Yeah. I've seen people get jobs based off of videos that they've posted to Twitter and that's how someone's been able to find them. And I know that I can tell you what it's like for me and and know that it's going to change in 10 years and it's changed in the past 10 years. I've got mentors and stuff that used to just make hundreds of tapes and mail them in the mail, USPS, to um, different stations across the country. And I know that mine was very different. I had a link in an email and sent that out to people. And um, for me, it was really similar to college recruiting too, and that you kind of, you have your little highlight reel and you t- give your little spiel and you say, I'm going to be at this tournament and, and these weeks and that sort of thing. And so um, that's kind of what I did to, to get the job in Knoxville. And then here in Nashville too, as you kind of cast a wide net and so much of this business too, and so much of every business is um, knowing people and, and making connections. I was an intern at News 2 in uh, when I was at Belmont. I was an intern at the station that I worked at in Knoxville in college as well. And so to be honest, I don't know what it looks like in the future. I've really only stayed on this half of Tennessee for my life. And I've really only gone to stations that I knew people at uh, beforehand. So yeah, it's, it's an uncertain future for sure. I will say I have an agent too. And that's somebody that's, you know, kind of working on my behalf and um, sending my reel out to different people. And uh, he does a good job of when I say that, you know, I'm going to visit family in Boston, you know, he'll set up a meeting with me to go shake hands with someone at, uh, who did I meet there? Is that what DraftKings was, or that was Chicago. I don't know. Um, but that's just kind of what it is, is you go and you just shake hands with people or, you know, you go to the Super Bowl and you schmooze and, and that sort of thing. And the draft here was also big for that sort of thing too. And so a lot of it is, yeah, just kind of making connect connections and, and networking and putting that reel together. Um, but I think the fact that there are so many new ways of broadcasting these days too is um, exciting and, and challenging at the same time. And that typically a reel is just, you put what you call kind of like your first 45 seconds, which is just quick hits of, you know, me on the ice rink, me on a football field, you know, me in the studio. And it's just like, okay, what do we think about this person? And then you, you get deeper into, okay, here's some more substantive stuff of this was a good report that I gave. And I was able to put words together that sounded good and gave good information. <laughs> and so that's what's deeper in the beginning. It's all just straight up do I like her face or not? And so it's very, very strict when it comes to that. Everybody says within the first 10 seconds, that's when you either know or you close out the tape and you move on to the next person. And so it is scary in that realm too. There's certain jobs too, where they are looking for a blonde because they already have a brunette and well, ruled out for that job. There are certain jobs too, where they're looking for a female and won't hire a male. They can't say that online, but they already have kind of an image of somebody that they're putting in there. And so I would say that, you know, it's an advantage and a disadvantage too, but that's kind of, you know, how this business works. Um, but nowadays, I, when I'm, you know, putting a reel together, I'm going to put some stuff that I'm doing right here with you guys um, to show that I'm able to do different things other than stand on television and talk for 30 seconds and then be done. And so there, there are different things that you kind of have to show off in your reel now that you can host a digital show that you can, you know, do an interview from your bedroom or, you know, 
all all these different things with, of with your showing dog. with my dog. Yeah, who's just moved in circles randomly to get comfier. <laughs> He's but... great. He can't seem to find the spot. He's more comfortable on the camera than all of us. Yeah, apparently he's really chill. Um, but no, just it's it's so different now. And I've I've seen people too that will ask, you know, if I've made an appearance on a podcast or something, to send them a link to that podcast and they'll sit down and listen to it and see, okay, is this person interesting to talk to for an extended period of time to see if maybe I want to hire them in, in a podcasting role. And so it's it's exciting. I mean, there's so many, so many opportunities out there, and you just kind of have to, you know, try any one of them steve i think that's about it man that was great <laughs> we've okay. we've, bothered, we've bothered you enough emily thank you so much <laughs> you we, have not we, bothered me we that's really fun. appreciate it i um a lot of good stuff and and thank you for giving us your time we, we do appreciate it thanks for having me this is a good conversation i like i like this podcast good work <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to Emily Proud from WKRN for giving us a few minutes of her time. I, I, I don't know why, Steve, I'm stuck on the, the the sort of opportunity she was given by a boss to sort of sit her down and, and say early in her career, just to give her genuinely good advice and for her to not only be willing to take it, but actually execute it in the moment as a very young reporter covering a very heavy subject like Pat Summit's death. I, like I had nothing like that. I, I've got a lot of people in my life that I look up to that are mentors and that I learn from all the time, but I never had anybody at 22 or 23, you know, kind of pull me aside and tell me like, be you, it's okay to be you. And I think that's a really smart lesson that I'm glad she got at a young age. And I'm glad she is now able to share with other people. Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting that that kind of advice is, is rare. Uh, and, and that type of, it's the, the kind of thing that you, you would hope to get out of a, a program director or a, a, an executive producer or an editor uh, and it doesn't, it's not always there and it's increasingly more rare and, and I'm, I'm glad she got it and obviously kind of benefited from that and is developing into a really nice, authentic voice. Well, thanks. Thanks for her to, for joining us, giving us some of her time. We, we do appreciate it. I hope you guys all learned a little bit about uh, the television world, being a young reporter, transitioning markets, all kinds of really good stuff from, from Emily. So we really appreciate her time. And uh, I, I think a, a smart one to be tracking from here on out. There's no question about it. If you have not caught up with her work, please do so. So, all right, you want to go to ratings and recs here? Jump onto some ratings and recs because uh, this, is a, this is the time of year we've been waiting for, Steve. We've been waiting for this. For we, a like long to call time. The, we like to call this the cliff. We, we, We've been waiting for this to tell you guys all cannot wait to see what ratings look like once football is over. Number one in the market, biggest, most watched show in sports in Nashville last week. Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game, 30.5. Bucks Packers, number two, NFC Championship game, 30.2. Steve, Monster there were ratings, both. Huge, yes. There were no other football games, college or pro, left to fill up any more slots. So here we go. Number, number three. Number three on the list, LSU Kentucky basketball pulled a 2.5 <laughs> NBA Lakers and Bucks pulled a 1.7 and then SEC basketball Tennessee and Florida pulled a 1.5 number one Tennessee is way better at basketball than Kentucky is and Kentucky still almost doubled the rating which tells you all you need to know about the passion of Big Blue Nation um, but it, listen for, for the record, I guess, what's the difference? You have 30.5, each each rating point's about 11,000 households. So, uh, you know, you're talking about a 250, 280,000 household difference between number two on the list and number three. I mean, I mean, A, that's like what we've been saying all along. That's power of the NFL. But, but B, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting here over the next few weeks because if this were still college football that we were talking about, you, we'd be talking about UT uh, kind of being in here somewhere. Uh, UT basketball does not hold the same power that UT football does, not even in raw numbers, but I just mean in like an intention, an attention span within a sport. This is not a, this is not a UT basketball market. This is, you know, Vanderbilt has carved out somewhat of, of an audience here. If Vanderbilt was worth a shit right now, that they could be putting some eyeballs in here. They are not. <laughs> I well, mean, and Scotty Pippen Jr. is really fun to watch if you haven't had a chance to watch him yet. Yes. But this, this team still is struggling. I, I think what will be interesting is, and you and I will cover this eventually, so I don't want to go into too much depth on this right now. 
but the debate and, and the argument that is happening and the rebranding that is happening with Sinclair and the Fox Sports Tennessee stuff, along with YouTube Live and Hulu, we will have a long, longer conversation about this. So I don't, I'm not looking for any analysis from you or me on this. But Predators games are tougher to watch right now than ever before. And yeah. so wh- where are the Preds going to fall in, in these ratings? You know, they get a couple of wins this week and they bounce back and now they got a winning record. So they're going to have to do their part of the bargain here to keep people interested. But it will be fascinating to see what those ratings look like as this, you know, this debate between streaming and not streaming and the, the Bally's, which I thought was like a fitness club from the 90s. No, 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 no. It's, now, it's, it's casino. Now no, I know it's now rebranded. And so, again, we'll, we'll have a longer conversation about that uh, in the future. But just keep an eye on where the Preds uh, fall. All right. Recommendations. You want to go first? Sure. Because we still have HBO Max, I started flipping through the documentaries uh, list that they have and stumbled across something that I didn't, I'd forgotten. I I think I'd I'd seen a press release on this when it, when it came out uh, this time, two years ago, uh, was a a piece called, uh, what was a film called Breslin and Hamill. And what it, what it is, is it's a look at Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill, who are two legendary New York city columnists. They wrote for most of the major newspapers, uh, some newspapers which are which are dead right now. Different styles, but both of them grew up. But both of them grew up Irish Catholic in you know in not in Manhattan from I think from Queens one from Queens one from Brooklyn and very and learned on the job. You know these are barely high school graduates who worked their way into newsrooms. And you see how, I mean, there's a, there's a great feel for how a newsroom operated and kind of all the people that it took and the, the chaos and the chatter. And, you know, there was still some of that when I, when I got started, a newsroom is a, is a magic place to be uh, if, if you haven't been in one because of the energy and because of the people it attracts, it attracts a lot of really smart people, a lot of, a lot of miscreants, a lot of really cynical people, a lot of really funny people. You know, one of one of the, the 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 things that we're losing in kind of the way journalism and 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 news organizations are constructed these days is we're losing some of those newsrooms. And there's, there's a creativity and a power to them that is just amazing. Uh, and the the doc really captures a lot of that. In addition to some of the best, uh, they do a, they do a really great voiceover uh, piece. Hamill, who died last year, reads his own stuff. They get Michael Imperioni. I'm sorry, Michael Rispoli, one of the uh, actors who you will you will notice from The Sopranos, if you're a Sopranos fan, uh, to read the columns and the power that you get from those words. It's just amazing. If you're not familiar with either of their work, go go Google Jimmy Breslin, John Lennon, and read the column that that Breslin wrote on the night that that Lennon was was shot. Breslin was had had this way of finding the people beside the story and telling a story through their eyes. He has a very famous one about when when JFK died, he interviewed the gravedigger for JFK's grave and it was just it, it is all of the power of this tragic event but told through someone else's yeah. and 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 both Breslin and Hamill had the ability to look at this through a working class eye. As opposed to, yeah. As opposed to kind of you know being ordained from above somewhere. Breslin and Hamill on HBO. Is that is that right? Yep. It's all on right, HBO well, Max. I know what I'm doing Friday night. I guess. Uh, all right. I, I'm I'm going to stay in the HBO territory in the HBO world, and I've watched the first of these. I have not watched the second one yet. Uh, the Tiger Doc, of course, is out. I, obviously, I think everyone is is going to be obsessed with it and should watch it. I think the one thing that I took away and it does sort of tie into the media and as a parent i i wonder about this too because i think the focus is is tiger wood's father in in through much of the documentary the beginning of it especially and how he handled tiger's upbringing you know there's a lot of crap in there about how he treated people there's no question about it but i, I find the the most tiger was so media savvy from such a young age because his father had sort of trained him to be that way and what it makes me wonder and it's not any different than like beauty pageant parents or figure skating parents or cheerleading parents or athlete parents they're all kind of in the same boat of how to i find it interesting like you can't really rip on a dad who puts the golf club in his son's hand who ends up as the greatest golfer in the world like you you know what i mean like you can't fault the guy for pushing a son or pushing a child into that when they have a chance to be the greatest of all time you don't know that in the moment but so clearly it was the right decision for him to sort of 
even if Tiger was like, hey, I want to do other things, Earl would be like, no, play golf. And it, like the guy's the greatest golfer of all time. So I, as a parent of young kids, I am just, how do you know if you're pushing your kid too far into one thing? How do you not know? I, I just find that to be interesting because I think it's easy to rip on Earl and say, look what you did to Tiger at such a young age, but he's the greatest golfer of all time. <laughs> so, so, so it was kind of successful. It was kind of the right decision. I find that struggle between allowing kids to do their own thing Listen, there's a lot of stuff in there about how he treated Tiger's mom, which is awful and all that stuff. But like the parenting decision making process is what I found really interesting. The doc is based on the the Armageddon book, which came out, I guess, 18 months ago, two years ago. Katayan uh, had done one. Uh, it, it's a pretty un- I read the book. It, it's a pretty unflinching book. I'm, I'm interested to see how it kind of it translates into the doc because they, Tiger didn't participate in this documentary. This is not like this is not like Last Dance where you see. That's the worst. That's the that's the comparison. Jordan had final edit. Tiger did not. That's the difference. Yeah. And and, and as a result, it is you see Tiger warts and all. You see the highs and you see the lows. I, I'm 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 dying to see it. I just haven't had a chance. I mean, there's they walk him into the into the the tank like in one of the first scenes. Woo! So. It's all about how the, the opening scene is basically how Earl way ahead of his time is heaping all of this pressure on his son to like change the world when Tiger was like four years old. Like, oh, my son's going to change the world, which again, not something I would say about my four-year-old. I'm rooting for that, <laughs> but not something I would say publicly on television or whatever to try to put on her. And, and then the very next cut is Tiger walking in in handcuffs. And so you're, it's just, it's very well done. Uh, go check it out. It's fantastic. Obviously, I can't wait to get to the second episode. My wife is making me wait so that she can watch the second episode because that is the beginning of the end of their marriage. So that's did did she like it? Did she like the first episode? She did not want she didn't care about the first episode. She wanted to start with Thanksgiving when, when they when he gets in the car accident. And and the the I yes. guess what, what the, the, four the, iron. Wedge, the wedge against the uh, yes. against the car. I had to explain it to her. I said, no, this is going to be a whole documentary about Tiger Woods, but there's going to be a lot of like the, the pop culture stuff. Like the, you know, the moment you remember the helicopter flying over Tiger Woods's house on Thanksgiving morning. And she's like, Oh, tell me when that part shows up. <laughs> that's when I'm going to check in. So it's episode two is when that's going to start. Everybody go check it out. All right. I think that does it for us. Special thanks to our brand new sponsor Jasper's for making this show possible. So please, again, we are so grateful to have them. Please make sure you go check out the the new joint there on West End. It's fantastic. The food is excellent. The menu written by a chef who is extraordinary in this market, a trusted name, Deb Puckett. Go check it out. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. Jaspers, I'm loving it. <laughs> you, you didn't like you didn't like that one, Jaspers. I'm loving ba- it. Jaspers. Ba da ba ba ba. You know, we were go we, for fourth meal at Jaspers. You know, it's weird to see that in another language. We were in the, we were at the World Cup in 06, and uh, we we got. We got. Uh, we walked into McDonald's and it was McDonald's, Ikliebenes, <laughs> and they would sing it too. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, Ikliebenes. <laughs> That's so funny. You're welcome. Not making it into the final edit, but I do appreciate it. Uh, all right. Um, again, special thanks to Jaspers. Go check them out. The next evolution of the sports bar in Nashville, and we are proud to have them on board. For Steve Cavendish. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow him on Twitter at Scavendish. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Emily Proud. Please rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Lamestream on the 440 Sports Network.